welcome to Crafts and Crime. I'm Amy. I'm Elaine. And as always, we have a craft and a crime. So lately we have been busy. We're recording. (laughs) Yeah. Our recording schedule has just been so weird lately. But we do it. We do. We do it. And we do it right. Yes. But yeah, you've been busy with your eggs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. I just candled them last night. It's been one week already. Is that yeah, not that's, super crazy? It's crazy how fast it happens. <clears throat> Excuse me. In, so I ended up with 12 eggs in the incubator. Whenever you have some eggs you think are fertilized, mm-hmm. maybe you could take Belial if you want to. Because I'm still going to try the one that I put in the fridge because I put it in the door of the fridge, which is the warmest part. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like differing information that says, I mean, you can still try and it does happen. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I see. mean, I have, yeah, I have my incubators, but I I kind of gave up on the quail. I was going to incubate mm-hmm. some, but I just didn't mm-hmm. want to deal with it over the next not couple right weeks. Now, yeah. yeah, not right now. A lot of fiddling. Yeah. But yeah, I was excited because I candled them last night. I got the house really dark because the light on mine isn't great. Mm-hmm. But it's better because these eggs are all light colored. That was the issue we were having our last batch were all really co- yeah, colored shell or dark, dark shell. And mm-hmm. it was so hard to tell so out of the 12 two are for sure duds completely not developed yeah you could at tell because they're like clear mm-hmm. nothing nothing up. happens yeah. you just see the yolk bouncing yeah. around <clears throat> so i marked them with a pencil i'm literally going to give them like three more days and then take them out because i don't want that to build up and explode mm-hmm. but the other 10 had completely visible little jumping yeah, babies that's inside. so exciting so we'll have to look at them tonight if you want we'll yeah we'll go and look i again. have my good um yeah that, that'll be really that fun. good one you could do both oh yeah like we did before like blast it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could get some pictures because you could totally see the little floating chicky baby oh, like cool. it was so precious yeah. so it's it was really fun. exciting yeah. it was extra exciting to be able to see it so visibly because it's hard with those dark eggs mm-hmm. but so yes why 10 Awesome. We have 10. We have and those 10. are the I Am Samani babies. So they're super rare. And um, I just think they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm so they excited. Are. I'm so excited. So yeah. hopefully we could get all 10. I know. But now nice. that we we did a little bit more reading and we were reading that um, to give it some sprays before. Oh, I know. So I'm like, I'm so nervous because I've always yeah. heard like on lockdown, you just don't, don't move do it. Anything. You don't do anything because mm-hmm. the humidity could plummet. But I guess mm-hmm. if you're spraying them, then the humidity is I'm like, thinking that's what fine. they mean. Until you <clears> see <throat> that fur, fur, first pip. <laughs> first pip, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you so, don't want to because all. it'll shrink wrap them in It there. can seriously happen within a second. Yep. And I also was doing a little bit of reading that was saying that um, like hens in nature will move the eggs every hour and mm. our machines sometimes are they differ and mm-hmm. it, it has a a sensor where it will move it either once an hour or once every two hours and mm-hmm. so there was been there was been oh my goodness gracious <laughs> there has been research done and they're saying that um the extra movement is actually really beneficial oh so i've been pushing well, then, the yeah, button it just randomly yeah, push so it. like when i'm like if i'm walking past it and i think about it i go oh, and i'll push it so yeah they're I getting a the couple turns sometimes. every couple hours that's good and i'm telling you those little babies like you could see it was precious i just can't get over how cute it was but yeah. it was too dark for my phone to like pick up so maybe yeah. with both lights yeah, yeah anyway we'll definitely do yeah that that's what's happening i'm so excited yeah. so two weeks we're gonna have babies Yay. it happens so fast it's so crazy fourth of july babies <laughs> yes oh my gosh so yeah because as we're oh recording God, they're Wednesday. gonna be born and their whole life is filled with, with explosion <laughs> oh, no. 
and heat. And heat. Yeah, yeah it's going to be hot. It's already hot. <laughs> but they'll love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, true. to keep the air moving. Yeah. Anyway, okay. But I'm done yeah. talking about chicken. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we do every time and it's fine. Seriously. Everybody's no. learned. We should have seriously <clears throat> been crafts, crimes, and chickens. <laughs> hey starts at the sea so right. it all works <laughs> but yeah no my week is busy because as of right now we have a should we call him a live studio audience <laughs> member yeah <laughs> yeah my my nephew sandro here and so he's sitting in listening to us and he's he was telling me I think was it last night or this, this morning that he has a friend that listens to us out in Germany. Oh, so, yeah. Hello, hello, Germany. Danke. <laughs> I think wasn't her hey, name? Stop laughing, Anna. At me. Yeah. Hi, Anna. Hi. <laughs> thanks so, for listening. Yeah. Thanks. So yeah, so we have him here. He got here uh, Monday, and he'll be here for a couple weeks. So we're just having fun, relaxing and hanging out and catching up, and so. That's what mm-hmm. I have going on, but we're still recording. Yeah. So still doing our work because it's fun. Yeah. It is fun. Yeah. This was like, I'm telling you, it can be kind of hard for me because my arm, like it sucks yeah. a little. Writing. But I'm like, I'll just, I've just started to resort to reading straight from my notebook. So, you mm-hmm. know, just the little papers, but yeah. I can write my I own Ghibli shorthand <laughs> because I'm like, oh God, my arm, I can't keep writing. So it's just like, and I can barely <laughs> read it. But I get it. It's yeah. like my own ridiculous shorthand that only I can read. And I'm all like OCD about like I have to type it up, and oh, I'm and I'm glad okay. I did it's, because we're I just it's the oh, way we do mm-hmm. stuff, and we're different. We and are that's, different. That's what makes it beautiful. Yes, <laughs> because you know it really is so. Because we are, we have totally different styles, and they're both what is the most. It works the best for us, and it makes us productive. Mm. Yep, and that's the way. Yep. It. So. I guess uh, now we should move on to you reading off of your paper, your crinkly Shush. paper. <laughs> it's ASMR. It is. It's I do pretty. like it, but I do wonder if it, if you can really hear it, chime in and let me know. I, I mean, I'm guessing. Oh, it's I realize there. my headphones are all tangled. Uh oh, that's okay. I think. Okay. 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 My crime. Your crime. Sorry. 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 <laughs> I, I got like, ahead of myself because I just finished all my crime <laughs> research. So we. Okay. My craft is scrapbooking. Scrapbooking. Always sound like you said crapbooking. Crapbooking. Scrapbooking. Putting all your crap in books. Scrapbooking. Scrapbooking, which makes it extra fun because your mom just brought all yours, and we were just looking at them, and I thought that was so cute because, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, shout out to Kim. Those scrapbooks are so beautiful and amazing. Like they're gorgeous. So clearly, I was the first child. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Everything. My like first cut of hair yeah my first boo-boo yeah i like think I, I definitely kept my baby's first lock of hair that i that yeah, she cut off you <laughs> didn't go extra and keep the scab did you <laughs> <laughs> no i did not but that's okay yeah no i have all my kids first i think my mom kept my belly button stump i know oh. that's a thing yeah so my, i think my mom kept mine i did not keep that yeah <laughs> no i drew the line at body parts yeah <laughs> So, yeah, I used to scrapbook, so I don't I, anymore. I don't. I scrapbooked for my first kid. And then yeah. I never, <laughs> See, then the I three. don't in the way um, I use scrapbook paper to do a lot of crafts on its own. Like I make homemade matchboxes and matchbooks and I've done um, 
I do like the full album thing. Mm-hmm. I don't do it for myself, but I've made them as gifts where they have the pockets and the fold outs and I know, the everything. You've made me and, stuff. and I'm like, I'm good oh, at like it, but I never, yeah, yeah, but I never, um, I never got into the kind where you actually attach pictures to it. Oh, that's, that's but all I, I did. I do like junk journaling um, and that's going to be a little bit in this history. Sorry, hmm. that was a tangent, but here we go. So what we consider to be diaries in the Middle Ages, recorded thoughts and activities in daily life, just like we do, you know, now. Mm-hmm. And so throughout time, we started with the earliest known diaries that was known as the Journal d'un bourgeois de Paris, which was wow. written by a, I would not have been able to um, say a French priest, an anonymous French priest between okay. like 1409 and 1449. That's kind of a vast thing. But mm-hmm. um, and it was actually a historian's treasure trove. They were able to get so much information oh, because the way he dictated his life was mm-hmm. a breakdown of his entire life Mm -hmm. and so it was a really great visual for the times and um, French historians got a ton of information from it that makes sense yeah so it was nice just like now how we know crimes can be solved with diaries yes (laughs) journal your life because it can be your alibi and it can prove if something happens to you yeah I have a book (laughs) called um one line a day (laughs) and it's just like it's a five-year thing and it's Mm -hmm. like you write the date and a little jot down like what you did and I used to keep up with it and then I kind of like stopped doing it so it's like a super easy version of a just like it's a quick was the highlight of your day yeah like oh so and so came over and we did this or I went (laughs) to the market and you know because something as simple as that can jog your memory Mm -hmm. and you can immediately recall those things remember that day yeah so it is really important, and it has obviously been important to all of us throughout history, which mm-hmm. I think is really cute. You know, mm-hmm. it's like we are all the same. We've always been this yeah, way. We're all human. Mm-hmm. Um, during the Renaissance between the 14th and 17th century, nobles and educated Europeans kept what was called um, a commonplace book. Mm-hmm. And the commonplace book was really similar to what we think of today as a bullet journal. So very simple, basically Mm -hmm. exactly what you just talked about. A very simple breakdown of the day to recall schedules, appointments, little Mm -hmm. things like that. And it, but it wasn't, it was something completely different from a diary. Um, So think of uh, our modern day planner. Yeah, I was going to say, it's almost like a daily planner. Mm -hmm. But just on such a basic remembering of like oh I need to do this tomorrow Mm -hmm. or for studies jot down that simple thing but it was very simple Mm -hmm. and I kind of love this because it's still tying into my paper oh okay (laughs) so when the printing press right (laughs) when the printing press was upgraded by Johannes Gutenberg in Mm the 1440s it made the availability of printed information to everyone Mm -hmm. not just the rich because so think. exactly because it made it more affordable to print and while paper wasn't being mass produced yet mm-hmm. you know the it hadn't been revolutionized um in the 1800s so that was still expensive but the average common person could afford papered materials now mm-hmm. and so now commonplace books had more material and that would be all kinds of things from their magazines and newspapers were just like ours. 
poems oh, really? and oh, recipes yeah. and the highlights of the town news. And so these things would now be written down real quick in their mm-hmm. commonplace book. It started morphing into something else, including the books they read. All of these new yeah. things were being added in because the availability of these materials to everyone. So mm-hmm. this started changing the way everybody um, interacted with paper materials, which is kind of funny to think of. Yeah. Just not having a book or a magazine being available to you mm-hmm. is really sad. And so um, so now commonplace books weren't a journal still, but now they had become a place to file away all these mm. recipes and um, little snippings and stuff uh-huh. that they would keep because they kept it just like we do. Yeah. And so um, just like uh, tips for how we do journals, you go on Pinterest, right? Yeah. So they started making books and like little how-to leaflets. Oh, like ideas for, for... how to keep commonplace books oh. and like the way to rearrange them and like mm. they aren't just made for little jotted notes and things like mm-hmm. that it was more now that makes sense because it was like um creative moments that big scrapbooking you know scrapbooking company mm-hmm. how they would have like magazines and stuff that would show like ideas on how to arrange things or how to um organize memories or you know yeah. cards birthday cards pictures teacher's notes like report cards and how you could like do all that in your scrapbook because it can be really daunting to just like have all this in front of me and these stickers and like what am I supposed to do so it was exactly the same thing because we all need instruction and we want inspiration on like I don't know what to do with this and that and we've still always had aesthetics in mind Mm -hmm. we've always wanted things to look neat and pretty and put together and not just a big mess you know yeah so in 1512 the scholar desiderius erasmus wrote a guide to commonplace note-taking called decopia okay so the copy he literally taught people how to take notes oh okay and um while i actually honest did not look into what exactly it was it's just like we said, like we, just layouts, like how to lay uh-huh. it out to look nice. Yeah, and that makes sense. maybe honestly, people didn't, not everyone is completely educated. Maybe they wouldn't think like, oh, put the date. That's important. Yeah. But to scholars, those things are important. Yeah. And so it could be as simple as that. And um, I will look. And if I find it, I'll make sure that I add it so that mm-hmm. um, you can look at it. But so coming up is going to be a warm place in some people's hearts and that's cool the family bible is actually one of the first examples of what we would consider scrapbooking to be really so is it yeah. like the part with the deaths and the births yes, and the marriages exactly and, mm-hmm. oh. who gets the family bible that's what i, <laughs> I, I couldn't get that song jack out of my has head. your grandma's bible doesn't he i'm not sure i think so okay, pro- it I wouldn't surprise me i don't know I'm probably We'd have to look or ask him <laughs> Right. So, yes, exactly like you said, marriage certificates, death dates, birth announcements, wedding announcements and obituaries, which mm-hmm. were, have always been a thing. Yep. Um, um, excuse me, were kept as early as the printing press was invented, tucked inside of the family Bible. Hmm. Some of the first and earliest forms of personal family history were found in the Bible in the early 1400s. So mm-hmm. it's something people always wanted to keep track as best as they can. It's always been important yeah. for people. Um, as I'm just going to keep reiterating, because it really is just like, we're exactly the same. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're really. exactly the same. It's like, hey, we do that too. Mm-hmm, right. But we're also human. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to jump forward just a minute and then go back again. It's just interesting. In the 1800s, Bibles um, started having all these really amazing pre-printed pages. Woo. Say that five times fast. <laughs> um, for your family genealogy, and they added slots for family pictures. Oh. And you know how I feel about those because mm. I collect them yes. and I have the my wonderful mother-in-law Melinda gave me their family's um, Victorian cabinet cards, and mm-hmm. it's the Scottish side of my husband's family, the Dalrymples, and they're mm-hmm. just so beautiful, and I love them. Yeah. So um, I think we talked about that on another. Yeah, a little episode, bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, So back into the 1700s, now what happened was extra illustrations were started. And all that meant was all the bibliophiles' hearts are breaking. They would just like, it was cut and paste. So they'd cut apart books, their favorite parts. Mm -hmm. Because also a lot of times these were people who had the money to afford to be able to do this. Yeah. And so they would add extra illustrations. They would cut out pages of books or they would tear the bindings apart to add new leaf pages in and then rebound it. Mm -hmm. So they weren't trying to ruin them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They were trying to keep them nicely put together. And so these new illustrations were called um, the leaves they would add in. James Granger, um, he was an author. He published a book in 1769 called Biographical History of England. And it had extra pages to add your own pictures. Mm, So like your own notes, what we think of now is like the the like junk journals smash journals your Mm -hmm. your ideas and things while you're reading the book or pictures you wanted to add so he gave that room for those Uh uh-huh so now we're back to the 1800s the industrial revolution has happened Mm -hmm. and it's that that massive beautiful printing press we talked about several episodes back yep if you've listened (laughs) (laughs) and now mass-produced papers were everywhere so now we had birthday cards birth announcement cards christmas some of them were weird as hell i'm gonna post some the the victorian christmas cards i know what are you're my favorite about. they'll be like a bear in a suit smashing a frog in the head with a hammer and you're like what is happening yeah holiday greetings <laughs> i'm not kidding exactly they're so weird about. yeah so now they had um also business advertisements and um these greeting cards all of this was now considered like this amazing novelty. Mm-hmm. It's brand new. It's magical. And everyone can have it. Mm-hmm. So these little journals are now being filled with all of these. So all these little things, you know, your friend has a business, so you're going to keep their card. Yeah. And it yeah. really expanded upon what these little, these abilities were. So mm-hmm. now these are filled with scrap paper doodles and newspaper clippings and birthday cards and all these fun little pieces of paper Mm -hmm. that you're gluing in and it's a a fun activity and it was seem it was a feminine activity Mm -hmm. it was considered very feminine because of the fact that these little pieces of paper were typically part of society Mm -hmm. as well one of the things that was highly collected at the time were calling cards. So much to the point that calling card albums were made. Oh, so, so kind of like a phone book? What these were for was, say you and I wanted to hang out together tomorrow. 
Oh, okay. So I had a calling card, and I would have my servant take it to your house, mm-hmm. and you would deliver it back if you wanted to come uh-huh so then you would send your own version of yes i'll be there okay or sorry i regret there's gonna be one of each yeah because how dare i leave my house <laughs> <laughs> so these calling cards became decorative and beautiful and they were um a a polite society thing to do and so it was important and so they were cute Mm-hmm. They made them so colorful and um, I'll, it's going to be difficult. I'm like, I want to put pictures of all of these, but um, you can just Google like Victorian calling cards and okay. they're very common. People might know what they are. They're usually a gestured two hands greeting with like a heart or a letter. I can picture it. And yeah. it's florally and uh-huh. it's typically that. So okay. um, very cute. So all of these would be pasted in and they would keep them. And it was also to mark the events you went to. Yeah. To show how popular you were uh. because <laughs> it was all society. So yeah. you had all these and you could show off. To be friendly and cute, like, oh, look at it. But it was also, mm-hmm, like, braggy. Look at all the friends I have and all the parties uh-huh. I went to and all the fun stuff I yeah, did. Like, so, how much of a social life. Exactly. I am. <laughs> so, if you had more money, you were going to have more because you had yeah. more events to go to. Mm-hmm. As magazines came out in the 1800s as well, more and more things were coming out, like reci- more recipes and uh-huh. cleaning tips and gardening tips, homemaking, mm-hmm. mother tips. And so these would be clipped out and they started to be kept alongside their own family recipes. And Mm -hmm. they were treasured as well. And I think it was really just fun to realize, like, I have a recipe from someone that lives on the other side of the country. Uh And which is still kind of cool now. That is cool. The very last step to scrapbooking as we know it is the invention of photography. Mm -hmm. So... When photo cards came out in 1850, they were developed in just like school pictures now, eight little pictures on a strip Mm -hmm. and you would cut them up and you would give them to your friends. Yeah. And just like today, people paid to have photographs of their favorite celebrities and movie stars Mm -hmm. and like because that was still a thing actors theater actors you know it was it's hilarious because again we are exactly the same Mm -hmm. i could picture handing out like picture to like friends and stuff and then like one to your sweetheart of course for sure just to be so friendly (laughs) you know and so now what started was we would have pictures of these our friends and pictures of the the plays and things we went to. Mm-hmm. So then the ticket stubs would get put to we. We are all we. Yeah. <laughs> so the ticket stubs and the playbills with the photos started to get added to scrapbooks and they okay. became so multi dimensional. It's like what I do now. Well, yeah. not like I really do, but I save that stuff and I'm like, yeah, oh, I'll scrapbook sure. this one day when like all my kids are on. It's in a box. Who cares? It matters. <laughs> yeah, you can I look at it. it. It's yeah. there. I love digging through the treasure. I think that's another thing is I always think, mm-hmm. like, I want to lay it all out and make it beautiful, but then I just like write. Like through my through little it. raccoon box yeah <laughs> i got a scrap box not a scrapbook <laughs> and it's funny because there'll be like there's like a balloon and a rubber band or whatever and uh-huh. then i have to remember like, like what was this for yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i need to make, mark them like exhibits put yeah. a tag <laughs> okay so <laughs> close pin a tag on the balloon <laughs> uh-huh here we go so the first reference to um the word scrapbook. Sorry, I got a little lost the fir- in my handwriting. Yeah. <laughs> the first reference to the word scrapbooking was in 18, 
21 around Mm -hmm. and it was used as a noun so it was like a scrapbook okay but actually being used as a verb was first recorded in in 1879 like two scrapbooks so it was really not that long ago so scrapbooking wasn't mm -hmm. a word no not till barely almost the 19th century wow so that is really that's it but i got a couple fun little little fun facts okay so mark twain was actually patented a scrapbook in 1872 it was a blank book and each page had a dried grid of glue on it and so you take a rag or a brush and you'd wet it and then put your things on it oh and he made a hundred thousand dollars in sales and is today's money <laughs> it is 200 2.5 million dollars oh, oh you looked it up yes wow. i did wow. i will always because okay. it, i'm i'm so curious <sighs> i have to Me so too. if i i will and, you know, always try ask. to remember to yeah. do it so yeah so 2.2.5 million <laughs> in today's money now his writings combined was only 200,000 wow so his scrapbook so, actually made him almost more money than his crazy. published works and so a little thing, uh, I left it out to the end because I just couldn't really find a way to put it in. But an important part of scrapbooking today and just photo albums as well is the term acid-free. Yes. In acid-free paper. And it's actually incredibly simple. Mm-hmm. But the process was um, developed in the 1950s by Hercules Incorporated. Mm-hmm. And it was literally just baking soda. Oh, so the baking soda, because apparently the cellulose fibers, I did not mention this in paper making, the cellulose fibers produce a lot of acid, mm. it makes a really high pH naturally. So during the pulp process, mm-hmm. they just add in a the alkaline, which mm-hmm. is baking soda That's as crazy. the base to neutralize it. I know like when I was scrap picking, it's always like acid free on everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, okay. I never really thought too much about it. I just knew I what you didn't had, it either. And the reason why um, what happens is that the paper will actually be stained by the own, the own, yeah. <laughs> its own pH. And yeah. So that's, that's a lot of. It'll bring a lot of like brown, weird colors out. And also what happens is it makes the paper weak and it'll be really crumbly. When did you say this was like started? Um, Acid-free paper was only developed in the 50s. So okay, that, that makes ago. sense because some of my mom's old, like old old stuff. Mm-hmm. But even some of the because acid free paper was not really like I don't even think it was a massively thought of thing for scrapbooking in like the 80s mm. and the early 90s. I'm not really sure oh, okay. because my mom had some. She did like a little scrapbooking class and um and it it like there's a smell to the paper. Yeah, that you can tell. Hmm. One of the things that will also happen is the acid breaks down the emulsion layer on photographs and it can actually make it get like gummy and sticky and gross. Ew. So I supr- luckily out of my extremely old photographs that I have, I have mm-hmm. hundreds, um, that has never happened. Yeah. But so, yeah, that's why acid free is a thing and why it's important. Huh, and it is really important. It, it is. It yeah. really is. But it also can be as simple as if you are like staining your own paper um, with coffee or tea. Mm-hmm. After you're done, you just spray it with a little bit of baking soda water huh. and then it's done. You just dust off. the. It'll feel like dusty. 
Yeah. Ta-da! Well, that's so interesting. <laughs> wow, good job. Thank I like you. that. That was I scrapbook, so that was interesting to me. Well, I should say I used to scrapbook. And like I said, I only did it with Troy and then I never did it's it. It's so much work. It really and is. And if you mess up one, one cut of yeah. like you ruin the whole thing, especially like the the kinds of albums I make. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fold outs, the the folding matters. Yeah. And if you mess it up, it ruins the whole square. Yeah. And unless you buy several, the little packs only have typically two sheets of the same pattern. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's rude. <laughs> they I know just, you usually yeah. need more. <laughs> yeah. I gave Avery a lot of my scrapbooking paper because she does a lot of like what you do is just like make these little things. Yeah. And so cards it's like, and you, stuff. Yeah. So she loves all that. So I gave her all my scrapbooking stuff. So anyways. Okay. My crime. Yep. Okay. Sorry to bring it down. <laughs> As always. Nice job. So, I know. Okay. So, my case takes place in Moose Lake, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yep. So, in I Moose- love those accents. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I do love too. Minnesota. I love accents in general. I'll never make fun of someone's accent. I think they're so beautiful and amazing. Mm-hmm. I love them. Sorry. No, it's it's fine. <laughs> okay. So, picture it takes place in minnesota uh so in moose lake minnesota on may 26th 1999 just after midnight a customer at a local convenience store called dj's expressway conico Hmm. called 911 they stated that there were customers in the store but that there was nobody working in there and that was really unusual Uh uh-oh So Chief Dale Heaton went to the convenience store and started questioning the four customers that were in the store. They said that they had been there for about like 20 minutes and they hadn't seen the worker who was usually there, 19-year-old Katie Poirier. I'm going to say it like that because I it's spelled P-O-I-R-I-E-R. Poirier. 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 Yeah, yeah. Right. once I said it again, <laughs> I like I I heard it once and then yeah. I like kept forgetting oh, okay. it. Poirier. Officers looked around the store to see if, like, maybe she had gotten hurt somewhere, if she was, like, sick in the bathroom, because she just, you know, but she was nowhere to be found. So, Chief Dale Heaton actually knew Katie and had seen her earlier that day working at the store, mm. and he knew she wouldn't just leave. And so, like, he knew he she was, like, really reliable. She's not yeah. just going to up and leave. Uh-huh. So, they checked around the, um, the area, like, around the cash register, and they saw that people had obviously come into the store and they left money on the counter, like under a oh, stapler. That's nice. And they had also left notes detailing like what they bought. <laughs> that, so that makes like, me so happy. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like they were like, oh, nobody's here. We're just gonna steal mm-hmm. it. No, it's I'm gonna leave. Here's what I bought. Yeah. Here's the money. <laughs> so they saw that. So they knew. Okay, she obviously has been gone for some time. Uh, then they see that Katie's car keys were left behind, and her car was still there. Hmm. all her personal belongings were still in the store so they knew like obviously like she should have been here she didn't take anything so something Mm -hmm. something happened there were no signs of a struggle or a fight in the store everything looked fine Uh she just like vanished so officers then you know while looking around noticed that there were four surveillance cameras in the store So Chief Heaton called the manager of the store to explain what was going on and like say, I need access to the tapes, you know, Mm -hmm. to see what happened. So while they were waiting for the manager to show up, they started to look for a possible timeline of when she was last there. 
And they looked at the cash register and like pulled out the receipt tape and saw that the last purchase was at 11.20 p.m. I never would have thought to do that. I know. That's crazy. Obviously, they teach them. But I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. It's like she's going to ring up whoever. So it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, she obviously disappeared sometime around Mm -hmm. 11. And even if it was like she stepped out to the restroom, that was the last time she was at the counter. Yes. Okay. The last purchase was at 11.20. So the manager shows up and he was asked to check um, the tapes from about, you know, 11 p.m. and on. And unfortunately, the video was horrible quality it was super grainy oh yeah 99 yeah 99 and the image was split on four tiny screens so as they're playing it back on one screen Mm -hmm. it's split into four quadrants so you're looking at this itty bitty little corner to try Mm -hmm. to see what you know is going on so on video at 11 33 p.m they see a man walk into the store and he walks around the store for a bit and he's going like on and off camera because you know four cameras can uh-huh. only get so much of the store right then he comes back on camera and he has seen pushing kate out of the st- katie out of the <gasps> store oh no yeah so this was confirmation that katie poyer had been abducted damn that sucks so chief heaton called the fbi and the minnesota bureau of criminal apprehension and a ground search began in order to try to find her in the meantime, analysts began looking at the tapes, and like I said, they were such horrible quality that it was impossible to tell mm. like any details in the video. Mm-hmm. So they knew they needed to try to enhance the video, so they took the tape to a nearby casino that was able to split out the images from the four <laughs> con- quadrants. See, and I blow never would have thought of that either. Of course, yeah. the casino is going to have like the best for surveillance. Yes, yeah. So they take that tape Genius. over. They were able to split it out uh-huh. and blow up the the images. Uh-huh. Uh, still, the images were not clear, but they could make out a little bit more about what had happened. Mm -hmm. So they see that Katie and the man had had a conversation. He left the store and then came back inside. And this is when he grabbed her from behind. And it looked like he had used a cord or a rope around her neck and he forced her out. So they knew, okay, some, a rope, cord, something was used. He pushed her out of the store. They have a little bit more information. So Katie's family was notified and her brother, Patrick, was just 21 when Katie was abducted at this mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And he said in a show that I watch, I'll put it in this in the show notes um, okay. in the sources. And he said that he was in the basement sleeping when his mom stormed in yelling, somebody has her. And he's like, has who? What? what? Like, ha- has who? Because she was just notified. Of- oh, oh, yeah, yeah. They okay. Went, yeah. I was like, wait, how did she know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. No. So they went okay. to notify the family. And then mm-hmm. he's saying, like, she just ran in. Somebody has her. And he's all confused. Like, has who? who? And oh, it's no. like, Katie. Someone has Katie. Yeah. So, of course, the whole family was in shock. Um. So Katie was a college student studying law enforcement. <laughs> she had recently gotten engaged. And <laughs> her and her fiance were planning to move to Montana. And her family obviously couldn't think of anyone who would do this to Katie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Detectives knew they had to work, like, really quickly to find Katie. And her family and friends all helped look for her. Her brother actually led a lot of the search parties, like, constant every day. Poor thing. Yeah. Um, I would, too, though. Yeah. The family obviously went to the media. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's pretty typical. And search teams searched the countryside and multiple agencies were involved. So mm-hmm. there was like a full team effort. You know, everyone's looking for her. So detectives kept looking at the video 
but they couldn't make out any features. But what they could make out was that the suspect had a dark shirt with white sleeves and he had on dark pants. He was most likely Caucasian, but no age could be like determined just from looking at the video. Mm-hmm. The family was shown the video to see if they recognized the person mm-hmm. and they didn't. Um, so a woman named Kathy Lano worked at the sandwich shop next door to the convenience store. And she remembers seeing a suspicious man lurking around. She said he walked into the sandwich shop and said he was looking for the restroom. And she could tell that he had been drinking. And so she told him, like, he can't be in here. And I'm, like, closing up shop. So mm-hmm. get out. And so he left. And she closed up shop. And um, and then after she, you know, finished closing shift, I remember doing that when I worked at the video store. Mm. I hated it. You got to count uh, out the cash register uh-huh. and all that. It's, yeah. So, Tedious, right? Yeah. And then you got to clean the floors and everything. So, you know, it's a sandwich shop. I'm sure she had a mop and stuff. So she finishes up closing and... And then she walks over to uh, next door to the convenience store to tell Katie that um, she was leaving for the night. And as she was walking to her car, she noticed the same man at the end of like the sidewalk. And he asked her if she was done for the night. And she was like, yeah, of course. Like, Ew. bye. And, like, and she I'd got, be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Someone big and huge is coming to pick me up. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so, thing. yeah. So she was like, yeah, and got in her car. I'm sure, like, you know, locked it all up and just, like, mm-hmm. bye. And so she left. Oh, because he was confirming she wasn't coming back. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. But she was shockingly able to give a lot of detail. That's good. Uh, like, a detailed description of this man. When someone creeps you out. Yes. You, that tends to stick Absolutely. with you. So she said he was in his late 40s with blondish hair that was starting to turn gray. And it was wow. <laughs> yeah, it was longer over the ears and at about collar length. She was shown the video, but she couldn't tell for sure if it was the man that she saw because it was so blurry. Mm-hmm. Um, she surprised detectives once again when she said that she remembered his truck. Oh, cool. She said that it was. And a, it was late, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, closing. It was like 11, mm-hmm. probably 11 Dark, o'clock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, she said that it was a black or dark colored Ford F-150 extended cab. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> she also said that there was an unusual design design on the side of the truck, which was like painted lines mm-hmm. or like just not just like a pinstripe, but like some painted lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so she also noted that he had an air gate on the back and she shocked detectives once again. <laughs> When she said that she saw his license plate and remembered <laughs> parts of it. Oh my gosh. She noted. But again, I'm telling you, when someone gives you a vibe, your intuition like, is rarely everything. wrong. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So um, she noted that the plate was from Minnesota mm-hmm. and that there were the numbers 557 <laughs> and then other two letters and a Y at the end. She said the reason why she remembered these three first three numbers was because their zip code is 557. Mm. So easy. Oh, that's mm-hmm. the zip code. I probably would if it was like our area code yeah. out here. Mm-hmm. So she said that she remembered the Y at the end of the license plate because the plate had a bend in the corner, which made it look like a K. But she recognized, oh, that's that a, that's a Y. So, so it's this weird specific. little. Yes. That's amazing. I know. Go, girl. And like <laughs> you said, she told detectives she remembered so much because he scared her. Oh, she said yes. there was like something about the look in mm-hmm. his eyes that freaked her out. <laughs> that sucks. So investigators searched the database for those license plate numbers matching. And unfortunately, they came up with a lot. 
Um, dang. Yeah. A lot. There were several hundred black trucks that matched the description and the license plate numbers. You know, it never occurs the fact that, you know, the states are huge. And however big the county is, the area, you know, Mm -hmm. that sucks. You can only narrow it down so much. Mm -hmm. So, meanwhile, as I said, Katie's brother was leading searches for his sister. And Mm -hmm. days and days and days passed by with no sign of Katie. And the image from the surveillance as well as the composite sketch were released to the media and of course thousands of leads came in mm-hmm. um so one tip came in saying that donald christensen looked like the composite sketch the build size and the look were like really similar mm-hmm. and of course detectives look into him he was 40 years old and he had a criminal background Uh-oh. he had been convicted of some sex offenses that all involved young, attractive women. Mm. So obviously, as a suspect, he was brought in for questioning. And of course, he said he wasn't involved. And when he asked where or when they asked him where he was the night of the abduction, like nobody could cooperate his alibi. Mm -hmm. So detectives got a warrant to search his apartment and they found rope cords, uh, like rope and cords that were knotted up and thrown in the garbage. So, of course, detectives are wondering why. Or not why, but if this was evidence and, you know, if he was potentially trying to throw it away. So it's like, why Why would he just have rope and or, you know, whatever. And yeah. Then, I mean, but then again, anybody could. So. Sure. Um, Donald told de- detectives that he had started drinking again. And detectives were thinking this could be the reason why he may have slipped up and abducted Katie. <laughs> so. Okay. I'm sorry. No matter how drunk. You think of kidnapping someone? I know, but he I had slipped pre- up. I got he had previous. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. I'm sorry. So it's like not too far. <laughs> that's not fetched. funny. But I was like, how the hell? Yeah. No, it's it's. I think they're yeah. trying to connect dots. And like, gotcha. This is up. back into his awesome. old ways mm-hmm. of assault. Yeah. Gotcha. So federal agents took him to the crime scene to compare surveillance images of him in the store to the ones from that night. The agents had him pose in the same positions as those seen on surveillance footage from that night. Mm-hmm. The images did not matchup donald had a spider web tattoo on his forearm where in the reenactment like it was clearly seen on that reenactment video sure. and the suspect in the original footage had no spider tattoo like okay. on spider web tattoo on their forearm mm-hmm. so that evidence cleared him as a suspect so gotcha. he was just a guy who had rope in his trash which mm-hmm. like i think i probably have rope in my trash <laughs> right now because okay. of, of that rabbit thing oh like, yeah keep, yeah mm-hmm. keep pulling yeah so um Detectives were still looking at every pickup that matched the description and the license plate numbers, which, like I said, was a lot. And one of the matches was to a man named Donald Blom. He lived in Richfield, Minnesota, about two hours away. So agents sent an investigator from the Richfield Police Department to his house. This investigator spoke to Amy Blom, who was his wife, and she explained to her, like, like what they're there for. Mm-hmm. Like, we're here about... You know, the truck. We're looking into the truck that was registered in your husband's name. And so she informed the investigator that they no longer own the truck and that it was actually white and not black. So he was crossed off the list as a suspect. So detectives once again went back to the horrible, grainy videotape. Now, this is where things get really crazy because one of the investigators had the idea that maybe space age technology would help Mm. so an agent from the fbi contacted nasa 
Science. That's really smart. Yeah. Scientist Dr. David Hathaway was using the most advanced video technology in the world to enhance images from space. So Dr. Hathaway, uh, he says the FBI just like called him up and told him they had a videotape of the kidnapping and asked if he would work on it. And he was like, sure. So, you know, if it could help find her, you know, Mm -hmm. save her. So he said that they had techniques where they could de-blur images and make them clearer. And he knew that time was of the essence, like I was saying, and like Mm -hmm. every moment matters. He's like, I'll do it like right away. So he started working on it. He was given the video. That's nice. And he immediately saw an issue. Oh, no. It was the way that the video was recorded. So a standard video contains 30 moving images per second, Mm -hmm. but the surveillance video, in order to extend recording time, only captured one image per second. So this meant, because basically, as he was saying, is he would layer images, multiple Mm -hmm. images, and it helps blur it, you know, de-blur it or whatever. Yeah, but you can't do that. You can't do that that if you only have one. Yeah, so mm-hmm. this meant that the time gap between the shots made it impossible for him to layer them because yeah. um, they were going to be totally different. Yes. if I'm waving at you, yeah, in two seconds, because that's going to be two different. The pictures. suspect had to like be standing still exactly. for several seconds. So frame, 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 frame. Mm-hmm. You know. So while searching through the video, he could see that the suspect had blonde hair and was actually able to zero in on the man's shirt. Cool. It was a New York Yankees baseball shirt with the number twenty-three. The New York Yankees was over the breast pocket and the number 23 was like on the back. So it was like a, not like a jersey. What is it for baseball? Is it a baseball jersey? Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm like, that sounded wrong for some reason. <laughs> I don't do baseball. This was, <laughs> this was the, like the most defining feature that the detectives mm-hmm. had so far. So what do they do? Well, they talked to Minnesota baseball legend, Paul Molitor hmm. to help with the public service announcement. He makes a video and it is circulated on multiple media broadcasts. Oh my god, that's genius! And All the baseball fans are going to yes. be looking out. Everyone's going to know a guy that has a New York Yankees jersey or whatever. Uh, They're so. going to be looking at who, like their friend, be like, "Hey, wait." Yeah, I know you have that, and <laughs> yeah. you match this description. Oh so. no! Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. So he describes a suspect mm-hmm. and it's aired like over and over repeatedly. So it's just to get it out there as much as possible, mm-hmm. and it worked. And investigators get a tip from a man who worked in a veteran's home in Minneapolis. Mm. He said this sounded like a man that he worked with. He said that the man had the same jersey and he also had a black Ford pickup truck. This person also said that the man changed his appearance recently. He said that he had, of course, he said he cut his hair and he had actually quit his job. So Mm. the coworker identified this man as Donald Hutchinson. How many freaking... Is that like the third Donald in this yeah. story? Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. This tip was number 1,960. Oh, that's how many tips they got. That's crazy. And the background check showed that Donald had been sent to prison a few times for sexual assault. <laughs> One of those charges involved an abduction. And this name that detectives were running was an alias. He had several different names that he was going by. Donald Prince, Donald Franklin, Donald Hutchinson, and Donald Blum. Wait a minute, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Donald Blum came up earlier. Remember yes. his 
yeah his register his truck they went to the house and talked to his wife and she was like we don't have it it's actually white what yeah so he's back in the spotlights like they are no they know some okay yeah they got time come on yes. now so during their search they discover he had a hunting lodge near the crime scene only 12 miles away and detectives found the trailer and searched it there was no sign of katie anywhere and this was a 20 acre property that they had to search oh wow um and detectives found a fire pit and it was filled with ashes and debris Oh, no. And they noticed that this fire pit must have been burned, like, pretty recently. And they found bone fragments. Oh, no. So they are, you know, rifling through, and they also find a tooth, and it appears to be human. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So those pieces of evidence were sent to the crime lab to be evaluated. And they also found some firearms that he was not supposed to have because of his past convictions. Mm -hmm. So he's like, hmm, suspect. Number one, he's already, no matter what, in trouble for the firearms he's not supposed to have. But right. now it's like, what are these bones? So um, they, in the meantime, they search his home in Richfield and at, at his home where, remember, they went to talk to the wife. Uh-huh. We don't have it. At the home, they find the truck they had been looking for. It was the black Ford F-150 extended cab with detailing on the side. The same exact truck. So she lied. She lied. For him. Yes. For whatever reason. Yes. Why do people do that? So after three and a half weeks of looking for Donald, they still could not find him. Then special agent Phil Hodap got a tip that his suspect was on vacation with his wife and children 140 miles away. So police tracked him down on his way home with his family on June 22nd, and they're able to bring him in. So when he's brought in for questioning, they tell him that they're there to talk to him about his black Ford F-150 truck. And he tells detectives that he doesn't have one currently and that he sold it two and a half months ago. All while he's telling detectives this, he obviously has no idea they have his truck. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, they have it. They're processing the truck. So in this conversation, he actually incriminates himself. Mm-hmm. He tells detectives that he had nothing to do with the crime. However, detectives at this point hadn't even mentioned a crime. They were just there to talk to him about his truck. There you go. He had told detectives, I'm not the guy. And they're like, who are you talking about? (laughs) Exactly. And so he tried to cover up this mistake, but was arrested and charged with kidnapping. Mm. So Kathy Kano, who was the woman working next door from Katie at the sandwich shop, was called in for a lineup and she was able to pick him immediately. She knew it was him. Which is interesting because it's like he changed his hair. So she obviously mm-hmm. knew his facial features yeah. and, and his build and all that. So the FBI crime lab results came in on the bones and there was no DNA found on anything in the fire pit, even mm-hmm. though they were confirmed to be human bones and teeth. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a way to prove that any of the bones or teeth in the fire pit belonged to her. And this meant that they couldn't argue that she had been murdered. However, right. there was a molar found in the fire. Now, this Ooh. molar... They cracked it open? No. Oh, dang. It had a filling that had been done on it. <gasps> and so detectives went to her dentist <laughs> to retrieve dental records. And the dentist said something very interesting. The filling on Katie's molar had been done three weeks before her abduction. And the dentist also said that the filling was very unique because the material that was used in the filling was a material that was not on the dental market. What? Yeah. Doc- Thank- get mm-hmm. your teeth worked on, people, just Seriously. in case. 
Dr. Meyer told investigators oh. how the filling material could be identified. She said that there was a high level of zirconium that was not found in any other filling materials. So forensics confirmed that the material found in the molar in the fire pit matched the materials Dr. Meyer spoke about. It had that zirconium oh, in it. I have goosebumps. It was like, her too. That's so sad, but at least they figured it out. That He was so close to getting away with it. Oh, yeah. At, he would have got the kidnapping, but like with yeah, no proof of Yeah, now it's murder. Bu- it's that, her yeah, too, she said, sure. on his property. Mm-hmm. And he has the truck. It's it's all His of it. Dumb so, wife. Mm-hmm. So with all of this, detectives confronted Blom with all the you know yeah. all the evidence. This mm-hmm. is what we have. And he admitted that he had grabbed her at the store. He said he forced her into his pickup truck. Then he said he drove her to his place, where he then choked her to death with his bare hands. He did not say what his motive was. He did not. He didn't say why he did it. Mm-hmm. He said he didn't know why he did it. And he wouldn't tell detectives any other details other than, like, what they already knew. Mm-hmm. So it was just very vague. So later he recanted his statement, saying that he had nothing to do with her death and that he was under the influence of medication that he was on and he wasn't speaking the truth. And he also blamed solitary confinement for his confession. And the reason he was put into solitary confinement was because they discovered he had plans to escape so oh. they had to put him there for like <laughs> constant, su- you know, like constant yeah. supervision. Uh-huh. So the DA's office had clearly enough to go forward mm-hmm. trial. So on June 5th, 2000, Donald Blum's murder trial started and the trial took five weeks and there were over 50 witnesses. Oh, wow. So two of these witnesses were men- women that he had kidnapped in 1983 Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they testified. His wife also testified and said that he came home at about 930 that night and that they had gone to bed bed together. And then she said that when she woke up, coffee was already made. So she figured like, oh, well, obviously he was here mm-hmm. all night. And she also denied knowing that Donald owned the baseball jersey. And like, he doesn't have that. And mm. he, with all of this, fast forward, he's convicted. Like, come which it is weird take... because I'm like, hello, pretty much every wife knows what her husband's own, mm-hmm. like what he wears. Yeah. So the he thing about the truck, was... what did he convince her that they didn't have it anymore? She just I think lied. She just lied. That's so, yeah. oh my God. So he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Mm-hmm. And he was also giving 19, given 19 years for the possession of the firearms. Um, gotcha. Now, remember, we talked about it like before where, yes, it's like two different charges. What does the 19 years have to do with mm-hmm. anything? Well, it's because he it. What if that's overturned? Then, you know, you need to do all charges. separately. Exactly. Which so, I never knew that up until recently as well. Mm-hmm. So Donald Blum appealed uh, his conviction, of course. And <laughs> so this is what's interesting is then his wife, Amy Blum, sent an email to two Minnesota legislatures stating that she believed Donald killed Katie. She also stated that her husband had abused her for seven years. Mm. So I think she was just scared of so him. So she lied out of fear. fear. Okay, yeah. I take back what I said then. Yeah. she also Hopefully sa- she's Hopefully not, that is the case. Because right, if but, she's telling a lie, that's disgusting. Yeah. But She also said that she didn't know that he had been married twice before. Mm. And she said that like when he suggested taking her last name, Blom, mm-hmm. she was like flattered. But now realizes he was just trying to get an alias, another alias. Right. He was trying to change his name. So he was probably taking his last wife's last names, I bet. Did you see oh, that? maybe. Did I you? didn't look into no, that. I, I bet. That I bet. Together. The aliases maybe. were probably his previous, previous marriages. Maybe. Or or he just 
as an alias, didn't legally change it. But he but would just use it. it. Yeah. Right, right. So I don't know. I don't know what his other oh. two wives' last names were. So she also said that he was always going to the Moose Lake property, and she now believes that he may have committed other crimes. And she then said he had not been home that night. She lied. Mm-hmm. So investigators actually believe he could be com- uh, connected to multiple other crimes and that he may be a serial killer. Oh, my. Well, yeah. I mean, the capability. Why mm-hmm. not? It's not out of the realm of possibility. No, and at the time of his arrest, they were looking at similar crimes. Mm-hmm. So in 1993, 19-year-old Holly Spangler was found in the woods of a Bloomington, Minnesota park. And at the time... What's crazy is that name sounds familiar. I said that to Sandro earlier. And <laughs> really? I freaked out because I was like, oh, no, you're thinking of Sprinker or Spring... Um, Mo- Molly Sprinker, or is it Holly Sprinker? The, from my, yes, from my from Jerome your, Brudos case, yes. Sprinker. I don't know. I think that, but Maybe. anyways, <laughs> we'll have to look into it. But for both but, of us to be like, that sounds so familiar. Yes, Holly Spangler, and she was okay. found in the woods. And at the time, no. Donald was living in the area under the name Donald Prince, and he was a registered sex offender. And another case that he was looked at as suspect was in the strangulation of William Johnson in 1983. Mm -hmm. Her body was found near St. Paul Cathedral. And Donald had admitted to being at the crime scene but denied killing her. Mm. And he had also told investigators that he might have killed a man near the St. Paul High Bridge. However, a body was never found. Mm. So he told investigators that he would like be out all night sometimes drinking and using drugs and then when he came home the next day he wouldn't remember what he had done so he is a very likely suspect for these other murders but of course Uh they can't tie him directly to it right so in 2000 minnesota governor jesse ventura signed katie's law which added stringent guidelines to the state's sex offender registry Mm. and this made it more difficult for offenders to change their name and as we know he had like four different names and this law also helped lengthen prison sentences. And Donald Blum died in prison on January 10th, 2023. Oh, wow. So this year. That's crazy. At the age of 73 of natural causes at the Minnesota Correctional Facility, Oak Park, Oak Park Heights. Hmm. So he is now dead. Good. So he was convicted of Katie's mur- abduction and murder. Um, yeah. So, thankfully, we had some very smart detectives to think about using the baseball player to get the word out and use, you know, right. and air that okay, over Okay, so was I having, like, a brain fart? It was all the same Donald, correct? Yep, okay. it is. <laughs> My brain it is. was like, how many fucking, sorry, <laughs> yeah. how many Donalds are in this it is. story? It's the same damn guy okay, every single the same time. same damn Donald. I, yeah, I... <laughs> And it's funny because as I'm writing the notes, I kind of would like look at you like, and, and you finally were like another Donald. And then it wasn't until I Donald was Blom not, again. Yeah. yeah because was, Donald Hutchinson <laughs> came in yeah. a few times and then, yeah, Donald Blom. So interesting. I know. That so, was nuts. Um, yeah. So that was, yeah, Katie's case. And it's Poor solved. Thing. Yeah. So. Thank goodness for dental records. I know. I'm like, ooh, I should probably go get my teeth taken care of. (laughs) (laughs) What a terrible phobia. I know. (laughs) Make sure you get your teeth worked on in case you're murdered and they need to identify your body. Yeah. Goodness. I know. I'm like, my dentist, like, I haven't, but I'm like, I really haven't had work done. So I haven't needed it. I don't have anything. Yeah. Nothing fancy. Yeah. So. 
But I mean, I guess if it's still in your teeth, it still is there. Mm -hmm. Anything. Yeah. I hope I die of natural causes (laughs) at an old age. Yeah. Uh, yes, so, yeah. Good Anyways, job. Thanks. So, with that, stay crafty and not cry me. Bye. Bye.